0: I'm Megan Bob and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling
1: and I'm Chris and I'm here to help with the aid of a show that marks the crossroads of pro wrestling past and future. This is the next wrestling fan, a classic NXT review podcast for all you marks who want to get smarter about wrestling
0: and smart fans looking for a reason to mark out again
1: this week. We yearn to understand William Regal's exacting, yet inscrutable standards for who gets a title shot in the episode of NXT that originally aired on January 21st, 2015. Bob, you get a title shot.
0: Yeah!
1: You deserve it. You earned it.
0: Yes! Can I redeem it for cool prizes?
1: Uh, no. Pro Wrestling Championships have no cash value. Aww! Welcome to episode 87 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, NXT celebrated its move to Wednesday nights by giving us the rare treat of a wrestling show that was mostly wrestling. Adrian Neville lost his rematch for the NXT championship. Baron Corbin decisively won his long-awaited match against Bull Dempsey, making a rematch totally unnecessary. (laughs) Finn Balor and Sasha Banks picked up wins that propelled them to the front of their respective championship scenes, and Kevin Owens continued to be a giant asshole, which is great work if you can get it with old business settled and new challengers established in both real divisions. Sorry, tag teams. This week sets up the storylines that will carry us into the next NXT takeover and the final chapter of Sami Zayn's NXT saga. We'll hear all about that in Bob's breakdown. After that, we'll dig into the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. We'll also be handing out our Borens Olivier Awards for commitment to the bit. And for the first time in my tenure as regular host, we'll be ringing the bell for a couple (gasps) of performers. We won't be seeing again over the run of the podcast. Oh, man. All right. I'm sad. And after that, Megan Bob will take a shot at predicting next week's twist in the ongoing tale of NXT. Speaking of... Things that are sad to watch.
0: Yeah, motherfucker. You were like, oh, no, there's only so bad this can go. Well, sure.
1: Look, either way, I win. Either my prediction is true or I get lots of bonus episodes. So we'll find out. First, though, it's time to check in on Bob's guests from last week to see if their prediction panned out. Bob, you have zero points coming into this episode.
0: You know, it's really sweet of you to say that every time. Like, I fucking forget. I don't know what I picked. But I remember that I don't have any points.
1: You've heard it many times at this point. Repetition is key to learning. And I think that by the end of the podcast, you're going to have grown a lot. And you're going to remember without any prompting that you continue to have zero points.
0: I'm so glad you're not a teacher.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would never treat a student this way.
0: Oh, my fucking God. Only a friend.
1: Only a friend. Anyway, you chose as your option for what would happen this week. An indie star makes their debut by beating the shit out of CJ Parker. Now, that may or may not be one of the fake things that is never going to happen that I've planted in this segment. But in any case, it didn't happen this week. As we now know, the next big thing was the NXT champion is booked to wrestle Ty Dillinger, but jumps him before the bell and beats the hell out of him instead in a rage-filled bid to get the general manager's attention. Who would have guessed? Not Megan Bob is the answer to that question. (sighs) That means that Bob will have zero points going into next episode and also that they've now guessed wrong four times in a row, which means if they guess wrong this episode, I'm going to get a bonus episode. Yep. Okay. those big emotional reactions. That's why we pay you the big podcast bucks, Bob. That's what the patrons want.
0: I know this is the only way I can punish you by just going. (laughs) Cool, whatever. It's fine. No, it's uh, Chris. It's fine. I would not mind doing a bonus episode with you.
1: All right. Well, you're trying to take the fun out of this, but it won't work. I love winning too much. (laughs) (laughs) You still have a chance, however, to ruin my day because later on, you're going to get a chance to predict the next next big thing. And if you get that right, then the counter resets to zero because I need five in a row. So we'll see later if you can win the real victory and make me feel bad. First, though, let's jump into Bob's breakdown.
0: We begin with showing slow and moody shots of Kevin Owens throwing Sammy to the ramp and then powerbombing him. The powerbomb is lovingly shown from different angles. We then hear Sammy's plaintive voice from his snowy, fluffy-haired camcorder promo discussing his return. We see the triumphant return, his confrontation with Neville, the match where Sammy is victorious all over again, and then the music shifts. The film quality goes grainy and a bit desaturated as Kevin Owens once more powerbombs Sami Zayn and then kicks the title at him before leaving the ring. People say like, oh my God, do wrestlers not watch the product? I grant you, you know, important to kayfabe that they don't. But also, straight up, If any workplace made a recap of the shitty things happening to you (laughs) at your job and showed it before continuing your storyline, it's hard to imagine getting really into watching that show and being like, oh, all the terrible things that happened to me and my shame. Wonderful.
1: Oh, geez. Because the thing is, that's what you come home and do to your spouse, right? You give them the replays, but there's no there's no tangible If somebody ever did like a PowerPoint to show their spouse, you know, with like little video clips and audio clips, man, that would be very affecting. And you definitely would quit that job. You're right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure my no prize will be in the mail. But Chris, Chris, character development. Kevin Owens kicked the title. Put a pin in that. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the myriad ways that someone could touch someone else's belt later in the show. Now, the beautiful face of William Regal as he sits behind his desk in a suit that fits like real clothing, a rarity on this show. His key lime pie green button down, bit of a surprise. But I guess William Regal is a spring. Does the phrase I'm a summer mean anything to you, Chris?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I know about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I don't have enough interest in it to punish you with it, but I'm going to remember it for later. Regal, oh, you know what else, though? He was wearing cufflinks, which I was like, you're a beautiful man to wear this shirt that looks like an ice cream cone. And then go, ah, yes, but I'm a classy ice cream cone. So I'm an ice cream cone <laughs> that wears cufflinks. And be like, yes, Lord Regal, you're the classiest ice cream cone.
1: Listen, you you dress for the occasion. And William Regal is the only man consistently dressing for the occasion of pro wrestling.
0: Yes. No, correct. He is. Absolutely. He is the only one who understands how one should be dressing. And I love him for it. But it is weird to see someone do it right because no one has done it right. So it's almost like, what the fuck am I looking at?
1: Because it's unbelievably specific. Like the closest thing in the world to like the appropriate dress for pro wrestling is probably like, what do you wear to a superhero wedding? (laughs) He's nailing it every week.
0: He must have a very strange wardrobe at all. I do believe these are his own clothes. I don't I don't think they have anything quite this well fitted in their costuming department.
1: Hold on. I have to say this. So I did listen to a little bit of William Regal on. I think it was Renee Paquette's podcast. Talking about how, like, the key to his success.
0: Did he flirt with her?
1: Not to my knowledge, although he was very hot. He was in his um, not hot, like sexy, hot, like hot. He was in his like place where he keeps his lizards. And so he was very hot. So he may have been distracted. But he was talking about how the key to his successful, like, pro wrestling marriage is his spouse has nothing to do with wrestling. And there's total division. Like the character of William Regal does not come home. There is nothing wrestling related in the house. What that makes me think is mm-hmm. he must have, again, like a superhero, like a secret section of his closet. He must have his wrestling specific wardrobe because there's no way he's wearing this shit in his daily life. You know, this guy's out there wearing like, you know, polo shirts and bullshit, like just yeah. regular people stuff. And then he has his William Regal clothes in a totally sequestered, like separate wardrobe. Oh my God. That's amazing.
0: Regal welcomes us to the show and announces that the next takeover is February 11th. I was like, I just ate a takeover. I can't eat another (laughs) one. But obviously, you know, they need a number one contender in order to have this thing. So they're doing a tournament about it, as you do. Brackets! Wrestling has finally taught me to appreciate tournaments with brackets. I now I'm excited about brackets.
1: Love a bracket.
0: I know, they're fun. The show proper starts and Sammy's joyous ska celebration hits as Sammy Zane stalks to the ring beats down Ty Dillinger before the bell goes until Ty Dillinger is cowering on the mat. Ty is summarily chucked from the ring while Sammy grabs a mic and bellows, Owens, get out here! And then the orchestral, oh no, of Regal's music hits. And then he says, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? I mean, he says it in a much angrier, more William Regal way, but I'm not going to do that. Sami Zayn refuses to wrestle anyone until he gets to touch his boyfriend live on NXT in front of God and everyone. That's not how he put it, but we know what he meant. Regal goes, "In what fucking whack-ass world do you think it's good workplace policy to reward Kevin Owens smacking you about by giving him a title match?" <sighs> oh.
2: <laughs> mm.
0: The lust I felt for Regal thinking of the unintended consequences of giving Sammy and Kevin a chance to duke it out. Chris, I'm horny for critical thinking and wrestling. Okay, (laughs) why does it feel so fucking delicious to get a reason that makes sense? I mean, yeah, I know. I could show my work. I could do the philosophical math about belief suspenders and all that. But you're sitting here receiving this thing that's six pages that I've written. You fucking tell me.
1: You're right about suspension of disbelief, of course, you know, like it helps like the verisimilitude of the product or whatever, but also take
0: a drink. You just said
1: verisimilitude. I already finished my drink. Oh, let me finish my thought. Then I'll get another one because you insist. I think in this case as well, there's something about inevitability and deferral of that inevitability in wrestling. Like what you want in wrestling in the perfect scenario is there's a match and somebody's going to win it and either outcome is unthinkable and yet it has to be Mm. like you see this like cataclysm coming and i think that when you can create a roughly rational a believable like a, a reason you can follow within the story for conflict to be deferred for creating motivations for like why people are invested in this all that stuff really helps with that sense of like these two are on a collision course And there's a reason that it has to happen the way that it's happening. I think what can feel very tractionless is when it's like like a random gimmick is the opposite of this, Mm -hmm. where it's like this happens uh, every year, you know, when WWE does its gimmick pay-per-views where it's like so-and-so spilled their soda on the airplane on whoever. Mm -hmm. And now they will face each other in hell in a cell. (laughs) And it's like this has nothing to do with these two. Like we had a space to fill on the card. It's like it's fine. It's going to be a wrestling match. The opposite of that is like from every angle, a really well reasoned. Like this is why these two must face each other in these constrained circumstances. And the fact that Sammy and Kevin have put themselves into the situation where Kevin is provoking a fight, but Regal is like pulling the reins back. Like it has to be this kind of that just is delicious for like the slow collision of these two personalities.
0: You're starting to understand romance novels. Well done. Oh, thank you. Sammy counters uh, William Regal's point, and it gets about as homoerotic as anything has ever been in the history of the world. Am I going to talk heavily about it later? (laughs) Too fucking right I am. Sammy begs for a match, even if it's non-title, and that is enough to sway Regal, who says, fine, fine, you and your boyfriend can fuck each other's brains out on February 11th at TakeOver. Sammy's like, yay, it's everything I've ever wanted. Actually, he doesn't even wait. He just is like, as soon as Regal's like, yeah, it's Sammy just like out of the ring on his way. He's like, I'm going to start doing fuck pushups. Regal is now backstage being interviewed by someone whose question is, Mr. Regal, you just made a match between Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. Which is, in fact, a declarative sentence rather than an interrogative sentence. But Regal understood the subtext and let us know that Owens and Zayn are going to be face to face in the ring next week. To sign the contract for their match at TakeOver. If it's not next week, it's soon. Look, you cannot hold me legally responsible for knowing when men are going to hang out in a ring and look for a pen. And you can't be compelled to testify against me either. The bond between <laughs> podcaster and podcasty is sacred. There's a lot of fine print here, is what I'm saying. And now it's time to find out who our commentary team is, because they have not said anything this whole time. It is Rich Brennan, Jason Albert... And Alex Riley for now. Did you notice that, Chris? (laughs) I didn't. No. I believe it was Alex Riley for now. Unless, unless it, well, maybe it wasn't. But whatever. Who cares? It truly could not fucking be less important. Truly.
1: I almost feel as though if there had been more Alex Riley, I would have been more upset about it. Yeah,
0: I think you would have noticed. You would be like, what do you mean he went away? I felt Alex (laughs) Riley up to the back teeth with Alex Riley. So our first match is between Finn Balor and Curtis Axel. It's the number one contender match. This is part of the brackets, everybody. Get hyped. Which I have to say, since, you know, I'm in the midst of a hiring committee for library director position, it's making me think, we've been doing this all wrong. Like, we looked at a lot of cover letters. Not one of those fucking cover letters told me if somebody was really hungry for the gold. I'm like, we should have just had a bracketed tournament. (laughs) Had them fight for the position. (laughs) Do you value information literacy? Look, I've seen some of them. I think there would have been blood. So the match is pretty fast paced until Axel eats a dropkick, slides to the outside and is then topayed to the ramp by Finn Balor, who lands on his ass in a way that made my tailbone shriek. That nothing will make me go, uh, more than stuff that involves heads hitting things and tailbones hitting things. The only other thing I could possibly think of, because I did sit there and go, is there anything other things that I could think of? If somebody in the middle of a match hit the exposed ulnar nerve, like that funny bone mm. thing that makes you go like, oh, f- oh, why does that hurt so bad? Yeah, I think that would be got Could you imagine if that was a healed move? Like if that was one of your moves is just to hit that exposed mm. ulnar nerve, everybody in the entire for fuck small joint manipulation for suckers, the child's move. Anybody could bend a finger, hit that exposed ulnar nerve and the like that funny bone nerve and watch everybody in the audience go, Oh, 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 God, that he must be stopped.
1: Bob, you're a genius. That should have been Doink's like cutoff move as a heel. He should have had an ulnar nerve strike. And it should have been like the baby faces finally got the upper hand and then doink fucking hits the funny bone and they sell it and he just laughs and laughs.
0: I mean, I haven't hit my exposed ulnar nerve in a while and I know at some point I'm going to hit it again and I'm dreading it, Chris. I'm dreading it. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. It's bad every time and I hate it. It's like brain freeze. You forget about it. You just go through your day and then you get it. And you're, you Or like you feel it coming on, like the pain of it. And you're like, oh, God,
1: no, no, this. Oh, but the tongue trick is so good. You don't even you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> Science has moved on.
0: <laughs> Maybe I just cannot like jam it up there hard enough. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. So the match slows down as Axel gets Balor into a rest hold. The crowd resents it and boos. Before debating amongst themselves if they were going to do a let's go Finn or let's go Balor, they decide on let's go Balor. And that kind of consensus is what Balor needs to get his strength back. <laughs> he shows Curtis Axel that he's Mr. Not-So-Perfect. Oh, I know, genius. By giving him a glorious Pele kick, followed up by a rotating neck snuggle or the Mickey tractor, as we call it in our household. He drop kicks Axel hard into the corner and Axel limps away from the thoroughly padded turnbuckles, which presumably injured him mostly by making passive aggressive comments. Finn Balor puts a period on the match by leaping from the top onto Axel's chest with both feet in the coup de gras. And I was very curious to find out what coup de gras might be in other languages. Because I was like, I mean, I know what it is. And, you know, if you translate it to English, but I was like, do other languages have like a, you know... An elegant little phrase for that, and I, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna put it in the chat. What it is in Afrikaans? This makes me so fucking happy.
1: <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> Dude,
1: scoot! Dude,
2: scoot! <laughs>
1: wow. Dude, scoot!
0: I know, dude, scoot. Why
1: we've been saying "coup de gras" all these years? I know.
0: Oh, Finn Balor just did the dude scoot. (laughs) Dude scoot is D O O D S K O O T. Dude scoot.
1: Dude scoot, just like it sounds, so good. Fucking so good.
0: And it means death blow. So, look, you have to, for no good reason, you need to teach this to your child because it's going to be so much funner when she says it.
1: That's fantastic, especially because it means death blow. Like if your sensei is speaking Afrikaans to you and they teach you the demok, it's called the dude scoot. That's (laughs) fucking you. You've greatly improved my life.
0: (laughs) I know. And then like. Oh, my God. Now, whenever, you know, Violetta does a DDT on you, which obviously it's the next thing you're going to have to teach her, mm-hmm. then to be like, it's my dude, Scoot. I'm like, oh, this is tremendous.
1: Okay. Dude, hold, Scoot. hold on a minute. Impromptu segment. Okay. Errors that I've made on the show. I always forget to do this. I want to acknowledge them real quick because I just made one. I'm going to correct it. Number one. I said that when Steve Austin was breaking into Brian Pillman's house, Steve Austin had a gun. It was Brian Pillman who had a gun. I knew as soon as I listened to it afterward, I knew. Thank you, whoever pointed it out. But yes, I know. This is the problem with not editing a podcast. The good part is I don't have to spend time editing a podcast, which is the worst part of podcasting. The bad part is when I notice a mistake, I can't just edit it out and pretend that I'm perfect. Other mistakes. I said Oedipus at Colonna when it's actually Oedipus at Colonus. Nobody noticed this one, mm. but I did when I re-listened to it. So, for all you classics scholars, I know we have many classics scholars in the audience. Uh, I do apologize yep. for that. I do know my Sophocles. I just, you know what? Sometimes in the heat of the moment, and just now I said sensei, I should have said Sifu because the Dimok is associated with Kung Fu, which is a Chinese form. Okay, that's all it. All right.
0: You owe me three dude's goots.
1: <laughs> Done. Go ahead.
0: Okay. All right. No, the word, like you have, I mean, you have to say it right now, but you do owe me three dude scoots, not three deathless. <laughs> Please
2: don't.
0: <laughs> I have to get through this fucking semester. Backstage, Devin is dealing with some less passive forms of aggression from Sasha Banks, who says that she's going to be the next NXT women's champion. Then says, Any questions? Big hair flip, turning her back on Devin and getting her hair in Devin's face before saying, Don't care. And then walking off. It's very hot. It is not the hottest thing she has done on this show, nor do I think it is the hottest thing she is ever going to do on this show. But it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Ad for Total Divas. Some wrestler that I don't recognize. Who was it, Chris? Do you happen to know? Rosa Mendez. Probably. There we go. Is turned on by Paige and... Then kisses her and Paige is kind of weird about it. Chris, do you remember how fucking frequently this was a plot point on TV
1: for a while? Uh, I wasn't watching the main roster at this time. I don't know. Every, no, this every... was just
0: an era of television.
1: Oh, you're, you're talking about just like on TV? No, I wasn't watching oh, okay. TV at this time. <laughs> like the fuck? Do you think I'm a fucking boomer? I'm not. I'm not watching TV.
0: <laughs> yeah, playing video games or I don't know, whatever. In your chat rooms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is my chat rooms. So
0: this was rampant at one time in TV and reality TV history. I know quite a few, any, any of the queer women in the audience are going to be like, ah, yes, that period. You could not flip three channels without panic over a girl being into another girl who ended up being straight. And then everyone was weird about it. Like it wasn't okay to be bisexual, but also everyone thought it was hot and wanted to watch as long as they weren't a couple at the end of it. End rant.
1: Ooh. we're in a
0: better time now yeah now they can kiss and everybody's like it's great I mean if you're straight that's fine it's, you know I mean it's not my lifestyle but that's fine but like we don't have to go it's weird and bad but now 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 queer people can just like kiss and it's nice yay you know what 2023 look we went through some fucking shit to get here but it's you know we've come a long way in
1: some areas hey random plug Star Trek Lower Decks, Beckett Mariner has a girlfriend. She's a girl. She has a girlfriend. It's just like relationship stuff that's happening between them. It's not like it's not a plot point because it's the future and nobody gives a fuck and it is boss. I like I like Lower Decks anyway. It took me a while for like Mariner to grow on me, but I love this relationship. It's so much fun. If you've resented Star Trek for not being queer friendly enough, now's the time to jump in.
0: Oh, that's good creative shot framing we see the soft untried hands of Bull Dempsey as he does the ominous hand washing motion. You know what the fuck I'm talking about Chris how would you describe it?
1: This is chalking your hands for murder this is like Mm -hmm. I'm going to pry the soul from your body but I don't want to lose my grip because my palms do get sweaty so I'm Mm going to chalk up and then I'm going to like rip it out of there which actually would be a really good D&D item I would love to have chalk to put on my hands to, like, help with a grapple and be able to, like, kill somebody with my bare hands because my hands are just so fucking fresh and dry.
0: Okay. We see Bull Dempsey's hairy forearms and chest. I'm extremely appreciative of this fan service for fans of bears. I do like my bears with a bit more cop on than this, but uh, Bull Dempsey feels real certain that next week at the rematch with Baron Corbin, because of the bracket you see, there won't be counting. There won't be bright lights or whatever. It's just going to be people chanting bull, which I mean, he's about as good at guessing as I am. So (laughs) a certain
1: kinship. You are the bull Dempsey of the next wrestling fan podcast. Wow. You. Your hands are lovely. It's not an insult. I'm going
0: to get my murder chalk
1: and I'll (laughs) deal with you later.
0: Women's action. Sasha is fighting Charlotte again. Can't have too much of a good thing. The match is a lockup and then a feisty lockup. Because, you know, sometimes like you're just sort of goofing around with your sibling or, you know, whatever. And then it's like, we're having a good time. And then suddenly we're not having a good time. I mean, they didn't start out having a good time. But at first they were like, we're having a wrestle time. And they're like, oh, no, now we're having a mean wrestle time. Extra. Sasha endures the indignity slash pleasure of being picked up by a taller woman and slammed to the mat. It's about to get serious when Becky Lynch, who's been at ringside, interjects herself out of rage on Sasha's behalf. We presume rage, but maybe not. The bell sounds, because that's definitely not how this sport works. You can't just, like, saunter into the rain and go, what the fuck? Becky and Sasha have a bit of what the British might call an argy-bargy, but I prefer to call an argument bargument because it is fun to say bargument. Chris, go on, treat yourself.
1: Just bargument?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say Bargument. Bargument. There you go. They get into, you know, a thing about the fact that Becky fucked up this match with Charlotte. And then they remember why they came together. To kick the shit out of people. So they kick Charlotte until Bailey runs in to save Charlotte and scare off the others. Charlotte's recovering and Bailey picks up the belt to hand it to Charlotte. But it's so, so shiny. That one theme from Lord of the Rings plays. Charlotte tries to get Bailey's attention, but resorts to just grabbing the belt back from her, which Bailey realizes is her cue. She turns Charlotte around, grabs her in a hug, and does a belly-to-belly suplex on Charlotte, looking regretful, but quietly certain that this was the only way to proceed it is exactly the face that my dog Mulder makes and he does like a big boop on a stranger <laughs> in the house. who's He's trying to hurt. He's like, I don't know, you're probably a murderer and like, I don't want to do this, but I don't want to have to do this. But if I don't hurt you, who will? Oh, <laughs> beautiful. You know what, though? Bailey cares about the belt. Kevin Owens came out here, saw a belt, didn't give one single fuck about that belt different people every fucking time there's a belt and somebody who has a belt is like beaten up a bit and the belt's laying there we understand tradition dictates you go over you slowly pick up the belt and like the crowd reacts one way or the other and then you hold up the belt as if to say like but what if me though and everybody reacts some more And then depending on the situation, you either keep the belt with you and go away or you put the belt back and leave. Kevin Owens, first time I've ever seen somebody just go, fuck it.
1: Because they know exactly what they're doing there. Because the step of that process that you're missing is where, you know, Vince McMahon, or in this case, Triple H, furiously scribbles in their notebook because that's what that is. That's a test balloon. That's like, hold it up. We'll see what the crowd does. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we'll find out, like, do they take you seriously in this? Are they interested? Are they excited? That makes sense to do with Bailey. It doesn't really make mm-hmm. sense to do with Kevin Owens, because I think they know exactly where that story is going. We'll, we'll pick this up later.
0: Yeah, but I still like that he doesn't care, though. I like that. Well,
1: yeah, let's talk about this later. I read that a little differently than you do, although I see your point. But, but that's for later.
0: Regal comes out to announce that at Takeover on February 11th, it's going to be up fatal four-way with all four women fighting it out for the nxt championship <sighs> i am excited about that i wouldn't always be excited for a fatal four-way So a lot of people who would fuck it up i think they're gonna put on a banger it's gonna be real good ad for true giants again mm. not less kinky watching the ad for it this time if anything more so
1: the feeling of like heavy breathing of this ad I because I like likewise we were seeing it again and it's just like this you know you've got this guy's like his hand was as big as my face
0: Yeah, and you're like, oh my God, I don't, I mean, I could tell how turned out you are about that, but I don't know, like, I don't feel that, but you're making me feel bad that I don't feel, (laughs) I'm sorry, I can try to feel horny about it, I guess. (laughs)
1: It's a classic Megan Bob reaction, like, oh no, a kink I don't have, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't mean to disappoint you. Backstage, Kevin Owens is being harassed for his thoughts by a guy in a suit. He's new here. Kevin Owens handles it with the most grace imaginable. Whatever I have to say to Sammy, I'll say it to him next week at the contract signing. Thanks. Incredible. This man, this man should be in charge of all workplace communication.
2: (laughs) He is a genius.
0: Okay. Tag team action. Do note Alex Riley is gone from commentary at this point. Unless he was never there and it was Corey Graves the whole time, and I just wasn't paying attention, but I'm pretty sure it was Alex Riley for a while and then Corey Graves. If I'm wrong, let me know. About this one, not all the time. I don't want to know the rest of the time, <laughs> just on this one. I'll make it very clear. I'm not sure why Corey Graves is here now, except maybe he wanted to talk about dinosaur training. That's the only thing <laughs> I could think of, like what was pressing enough to get him out here. And now. Because I'm a fucking dork and I have learned some things from academia. I have tasked ChatGPT, the AI that will write shit for you, with writing the breakdown for this particular tag team match.
1: Oh, is it okay if I set up an AI to just listen to this part of the podcast while I go take a bathroom break? Is that what we're doing for our listeners now? Okay, perfect.
0: (laughs) And I have specifically asked for it to do so in the style of an ode. And I've already read it, but I think it would be more fun if I have you read it. So I have dropped it into the chat. Chris, you get to pull your weight in the breakdown. I know you've always been looking for an opportunity. You're always like, why don't you let me wash the dishes whenever I come over? And I'm like, here you go.
1: This is fantastic. Thank you for this opportunity. If we ever meet in person, you will do the dishes because I'm doing this. Here we go. <laughs> oh, wrestling fans, lend me your ears. For I have a tale to tell, full of cheers. T'was on January 21st, in NXT WWE, when Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake faced the Vaudevillains, you see. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) The match was fierce, the action grand, but it was the Vaudevillains who took command. English controlled most of the bout with a headlock, while Gotch suplexed and cross-faced with quite the shock. But lo and behold, what's this I hear? The villains have been doing dinosaur training. Oh, dear. Corey Graves mentioned it, so it must be true. Iron Sheik's Persian clubs in hand, their strength grew and grew. But even dinosaur training could not prepare for what Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake had in the repertoire. Mmm, okay. Don't know how to pronounce repertoire in that context, but all right. A heel kick to English, an unexpected reversal. And suddenly the match was looking like a reversal. <laughs> <laughs> The hot tag to Blake may not have been grand, but his power slam and sidekick <laughs> combo was oh so grand.
2: And then out of nowhere,
1: a kick to English's head and with a roll up, Blake pinned him to win instead. The crowd was stunned, their jaws agape, for Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake had pulled off an escape. The vaude villains may have trained like dinosaurs, but it was their opponents who showed them the force. <laughs> <laughs> So here's to Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake. Their lack of a team name was no mistake, for their tandem offense was truly a sight, and they may just be the ones to win the tag team fight. Beautiful. Wow.
0: Chris, what grade would you give this ode?
1: In the alternate reality in which I'm assigning people odes, and then I'm grading those odes, you know what, you're writing the same words with themselves. Look, you get an A. This is my failure. This is a bad assignment.
0: (laughs) Five flowers out of several.
1: <laughs> five out of several.
0: No, five flowers out of several.
1: Five flowers out of several.
0: Yeah, that's the grading scale. Oh, okay. Well, that's how many this is getting. Is five flowers out of several.
1: five flowers out of several. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. That's that's very generous. Your my professors' reviews make more sense to me than they ever have. Please go <laughs> on.
0: I want you to think and choose. The style of the next thing that I do, I want to do this every single time and I want to change up what kind of style it is
2: Mm.
1: because
0: it'll it'll do a fucking sestina. It'll do crazy shit. So I'm I am open to it. If you want to do it in the style of Hemingway, it'll do it.
1: There's going to be a sestina in the future for sure, because I'm very curious about how an AI does that math. But for next time, let's do a court transcript.
0: Oh, court transcript. Okay, okay. All right. Oh man, I know people are afraid of AI technology, but baby, we don't have to be afraid of it. We can just make it do dumb shit. <laughs> it's only dangerous if you decide to use it to do dangerous things.
1: If there's anything that the past decade has taught us, it's that something can't simultaneously be dangerous and do dumb shit, that it simply is impossible.
0: I'm just saying I don't think doing court transcript style breakdowns of WWE products is going to be the thing that brings about the end of the
1: world, you know? All right. Well, you're on the record.
0: If it is, the world fucking deserved it. If that's what it took, then you know what? Obviously not cut out for this fast paced work environment. (laughs) backstage Tyler Breeze is on his way to becoming NXT champion and from there into I guess a beauty fascist he wants to separate the world into super good looking people and uggo people all right Chris we're going to embark on this world you have to divide the world into two types of people but can only give a ridiculous or whimsical answer we promise this does not herald any kind of regime this only heralds Chris and I thinking of stupid shit all right Chris what do you pick
1: I was with an ex and we went Mm -hmm. to Sizzler with her family and
0: Sizzler. I love Sizzler. Sorry.
1: Her stepdad's mom sent her steak back. Oh, shit. Her stepdad had to explain to us that like they knew her here and they knew that this would always happen a few times. What? I would like to divide the world between people who send their steak back and people who don't send their steak back. There is no greater and more unjust mismatch in daily life than people who love confrontation and people who hate confrontation. It is a travesty the way that the world is dictated by the fact that most people don't like to fight and some people fucking love to fight. And when those people collide, it's like one person is gaining power as the other person is shrinking down into like sucking into themselves like a black hole. I would love to divide the world between the people who want to fight and they can just fight each other, and the people who don't want to fight who can behave like civilized human beings. That would be fantastic. This,
0: I, this is so whimsical.
1: Uh, you know what? I started with the Sizzler anecdote. It's, Sizzler is a silly name for a restaurant. It's, it's pretty close <laughs> to whimsical.
0: I mean, you like to fight, though.
1: Well, I like to fight you because you're fun, but not like not in real life. <laughs> I wouldn't send my fucking steak back if you were my waiter.
0: <laughs> I think I'm going to divide the world into people who... Prefer unicorns or pegasuses?
1: Interesting. Which one are you?
0: Well, as a child, I had my favorite stuffed animal, and it was, I called it a pegacorn because it was both.
1: Okay. So, do you live on like an island mm-hmm. or what, what, how does this work? I don't know. Wow. There's a lack of leadership in unicorn pegasus land, but you know what? You're following your heart. I respect that. <laughs>
0: All right, still backstage, Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake are hyped about their win and are challenging the Lucha Dragons next week with their newfound confidence in tow, which I fucking love. They're like, we had a win. Fuck yeah. We could probably do anything. (laughs) If you've ever had a puppy. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's 100% what it's like to have a puppy. We also get the visual sort of ad thing for the contract signing. It's a smiling and zany looking Sammy with an irritable arms crossed Kevin. He may not have had his arms crossed. He may have just been scowling. Behind them is a large image of a contract with writing on it. It looks like the cover of a Kindle romance novel, which I know because not only do I read romance novels on Kindle, but my Kindle knows me because of Amazon. And every time I turn it on or off, it's like, hey, here's a thing that you could read. And I'm like, my grumpy boss's baby.
2: Mm, okay, <laughs> well, we'll
0: think about it. So, my grumpy MMA accountant. There you go. Chris, do you have any romance novel names for this? You know, one of them's lighthearted, one of them's super cranky. They both have to deal with paper sometimes in a way that's <laughs> unclear.
1: There's a world in which I do, you know, a list of 10 of these. That's a world in which you delivered this to me more than like 40 minutes before recording. Oh, yeah. And so uh, let me go with just one carefully considered one. This is a story in which we do have pro wrestlers. We have a situation where these two pro wrestlers had a relationship, have broken up, are on the verge of getting back together. But to advance their careers, they have to sign up for a loser leaves town match. Oh, shit. In which, and this is a cafe world where the other person literally does have to leave town, which means <gasps> their oh, relationship no. will be ended. But it's a question of putting their career uh, kind of on the scales versus their relationship. Mm. And the name of the romance novel is Put Your Ex on the Line.
0: Oh, fuck.
1: You're a genius. Thank you.
0: Main event. Prince Pretty is here to fight. There's something weird under the ramp that we catch for a second, but probably just a possum or an alligator. This is Florida. It's fine. He's fighting someone as beautiful as him, though. Hideo Itami. Breeze has space pants, by the way. That's pretty important. Important <laughs> important to midseason replacement Corey Graves is that we remember that Tyler Breeze is not just a pretty face. He's got a brain as well, which I was like, wow, Corey Graves. <laughs> He, like, said that and then almost to himself, like, pride. He's not just a pretty face. He's got a brain as well. Like, I'm a woke man who thinks that people can be beautiful and intelligent. It's like, wow. Corey Graves, you're really a fucking galaxy brain. (laughs) So it's all fasty-fast until Tyler Breeze's hair comes out of its mini top knot. Obviously, once that happens, all bets are off. He snaps. Throws Hideo Itami out of the ring, glares, the audience is hot for Itami, which is great. Breeze knocks him with a massive dropkick when Itami tries to get back some momentum, but the pin attempt is a non-starter. We have to go through some holds where we get a close-up on the pattern of uh, Breeze's space pants, which, given the way that my eye was acting, I was like, are these are these maybe a magic eye? I can't. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to see something and I can't. We come back from commercial, and it's a deep rear chin lock on Itami. Mm. The hottest kind of chin lock. Unless there's a sexier kind of chin lock, Chris, are there sexier chin locks?
1: I mean, you know, if you want to consider the camel clutch a chin lock, then uh, you know, of course there's the camel clutch, the Steiner Recliner, as it is sometimes known. I don't know if that's sexier, though. Not the way that Breeze does it. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you're looking at Tyler Breeze's pants... Attempting to, like, see the 3D effect of them tells me that you are, no offense, not the sophisticated audience toward which Tyler Breeze's wrestling is aimed. But but please continue.
0: I don't think I'm the sophisticated audience that most stuff's aimed at. I like the Hallmark Channel. Itami gets out and tries to deliver a DDT off the ropes, which is just using the other person's neck as sort of a ride to the mat. I mean, I don't think they feel that way about it, but that's kind of what it looks like. It doesn't work though. And Breeze wriggles away, allowing Itami to instead leap at him and take him down in the middle of the ring. They treat a few more pin attempts, but after Breeze does one of his supermodel kicks and pins him and Itami kicks out, Breeze snaps some more. I know you thought he had snapped the amount he can snap. No, no, no. He climbs on Itami and octopuses him before flipping him to the mat. It is called a crucifix bomb, but the fuck you octopus is probably more accurate. Itami Mm. kicks out and he's mad as fuck now. What? Is it not
1: that? Oh, no. I was just thinking about what a great move name Fucktopus would be.
0: (laughs) Fucktopus. Itami kicks out and he's mad as fuck now. He kicks Breeze low, high, in between. He kicks him every which way but loose, which is a film I've never seen and don't know anything about, but it is fun to say. It turns out Breeze is weak to having the shit kicked out of him, and when Itami pins Breeze, Breeze just lays there limply, unable to kick out. So Itami advances. Finn and Itami are the two who are going to be advancing in the bracket! Yay! Brackets! Yeah, da, 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 da. The end Brackets.
1: Thank you so much, Bob, as always, for watching the show and uh, doing the breakdown. I appreciate it. What did you think about this show overall?
0: I don't know. I was interested in the plot stuff that was happening, but it was hard to kind of think about the wrestling as doing anything because the wrestling is kind of like, well, we're just doing it because like we need plot stuff because the matches. Hmm. There was no conflict in the matches other than, you know, this is about building to that takeover for the most part, which is fine
1: but yeah that's a good point that there's a distinction between matches where the matches are the story versus those where the finish is the story and here because this is such a table setting episode it really is the finishes that are the story this is setting up everything and so while i think it's engaging story-wise it doesn't reward watching the wrestling as much and there's no greater evidence of that than like what Breeze did with his match, I think, where he kind of went like beyond the booking, beyond like yeah. the table setting to try to make something of the match, which I think was successful, but also like not germane to like what the episode was trying to do. So pretty much. Yeah. So that's it for the summary of this episode. But we have a little bit of business to take care of before we move on to the sight, sounds and feels of pro wrestling, because it's time to ring the bell. Not once. But twice, but like twice halfway. So like once total. First of all, let's take a moment to acknowledge that we won't be seeing Curtis Axel again.
0: Oh, oh, OK.
1: I wouldn't mention it if he were just some random main roster guy. Like I I don't remember, but I don't think you guys did this for like Seamus or anybody who kind of showed up here. And Curtis Axel only had a couple of matches in NXT. However, Under his previous ring name of Michael McGillicuddy, he actually debuted in the second season of NXT and then jumped to the main roster as part of the Nexus, which was a major heel stable composed of all NXT people. And then after that ran its course, McGillicuddy went back to NXT in 2012 and stuck around until he got the Curtis Axel ring name in 2013. And went back to the main roster to win the Intercontinental Championship, traditionally the championship that launches careers, increasingly the championship of people who are like not the type of people who will ever be a real success here. While Curtis Axel under that name in this run was just a blip, he's actually a major part of NXT history, just a part that didn't happen to show up in this podcast. So you know, I don't care, but I feel obliged to pretend that we do for just a minute. So let's, let's take a moment of pretending that we care about Curtis Axel. Mm. OK, that's enough. Perhaps more interestingly to you, Bob, Marcus Louis really will not be showing up again in the regular episodes we'll be covering. It feels wrong to ring the bell for him because he's not going to make his last televised NXT appearance until like six months after this. Oh, wow. But he's not going to like his storyline is canceled. We're not going to see him again. He's only going to make a handful of appearances as a jobber before finally having his last TV match in July. He's then going to leave WWE altogether in January of 2016. He goes on to wrestle for TNA as Baron Dax a couple of months after he leaves NXT. He never really gets off the ground there. He's there for like seven months. He's in a faction called the Tribunal with Al Snow and. I think Basil Baraka is how it's pronounced. We know Basil Baraka as Sylvester Laforte. So he's kind of reforming the Legionnaires in TNA. But yeah, they end up getting released after like turning on Al Snow so he can get the fuck out of that stable. And Cage Match has nothing else for Marcus Louis after that. So he seems to be done with wrestling. He has a few acting credits afterward, actually, including an appearance on Mm. The Flash on the CW. Oh, but his last acting appearance was in 2018 on an episode of The 100. And his Instagram is now private, which is, this means I'm done, (laughs) right? Yeah. So apparently he's done. Best of wishes in his future endeavors. I'm so happy for him that he's out of all this. Seems unlikely that this is a slow burn and he's going to, like, jump out and attack Tyler Breeze at some point in the future. (laughs) Although that would be great. I'm looking forward, hopefully someday, when, like, the people who grew up with golden age nxt have the book in wwe they'll do like a gimmick battle royale and have tyler breeze almost win and then marcus louis <laughs> finally jumps out and dumps him out of the ring paying off that old storyline
0: oh that would be beautiful yeah if only Mm-hmm. could happen
1: now it is time to discuss the sights sounds and feels of pro wrestling Megan Bobba, what did your elf see in this episode of NXT?
0: Charlotte peels off her shirt in front of a small child in the audience who's holding out their hands like, yay, it's you. She absentmindedly chucks it into the child's face as she turns to get into the ring. <laughs> it was amazing.
1: It was very powerful.
0: Chris, what did your elf eyes see?
1: Okay, you mentioned this earlier, and I don't want to keep dumping on Bull Dempsey, <laughs> but they keep putting him in front of me to look at and forcing me to pick him out. This episode, I saw the way his promo started with the baby soft hands. Yeah. Just like, I don't know what to do about the fact that your hands don't match your character, but something should have been done because this fucking guy, he literally, like Bull Dempsey literally could be the weekend manager of a china shop. This is no bull, sir. I've worked with florists who had... (laughs) <laughs> more more calloused hands than this man. I, I'm not saying go out there and like take a sander to his hands. I'm just saying don't start his promo with a close up of his beautiful hands. That's all.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a while as soon as I saw them, I was like this is a weird pick. Why <sighs> why are you showing me this man's hands? These hands look so soft and also small whenever you shoot them that way
1: <laughs> you put all the murder chalk you want on those hands they still look like a fucking dream like i'm i'm ready to be like massaged by those hands not even massaged like caressed because mass- like even though you're a big fucking pear-shaped dude i somehow don't feel like you have the strength when i look at those hands i'm like that's not really gonna get it like that's not gonna get these knots just You know, rub the backs of your hands against my cheek. Like, that would be nice.
0: (laughs) He does look like he moisturizes them.
1: (laughs) Which he shouldn't. It's a a bad pro wrestling (laughs) move. It's bad for his career. Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear?
0: I don't care about the title. Make it non-title. Do whatever it is you have to do. Just give him to me. Listen, I would love to stand here and tell you that I'm not asking. But I have far too much respect for you. So I'm asking you please to give me what i need i will do anything you want i will wrestle the number one contender i'll do anything all i know is i need to get my hands on him first fuck me sammy what <laughs> the fuck yeah that sounds like somebody wrote in a fucking fanfic and i'm like sammy are you out here self-ficking <laughs>
1: It's a bold accusation. Of course he is. Of course he is. He is a creative wrestler. He is faking himself in front of all of us. It's fantastic. You're right. It's so good. And it's so like, I don't even want to say hot, but it's like,
0: it's pretty hot. Because he's desperate. That's hot.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's hot because of all the like real emotion going into it. All joking aside, that's why Sami Zayn is like, coming up in this kind of like fanfic mode that you can go into it's because he's investing everything that happens with real character and real emotion which is just ripe for like the sexual interpretation to me that is secondary to the fact that he's just like he's a real person out there like deeply wanting real things as a side effect we get to do sexy fanfic about it if we choose. But also, it's just really good wrestling. Sami Zayn is fucking killing it in this storyline. And so is Kevin Owens, as I'm sure we'll talk about.
0: All right, Chris, what's your Vulcan here?
1: And I'm about to, like, tip my hand once again on why I'm less fun than you, Bob. I heard William Regal adamantly telling Sami Zayn that he was not going to award Kevin Owens a title shot because he hadn't earned it. William Regal then proceeds to spend the rest of the episode showing zero consistency about how you're supposed to earn a title shot. A tournament is set up to determine the number one contender. Kevin Owens, you'll notice not in the tournament, whereas Curtis Axel, whose record in NXT as Curtis Axel is one loss, zero wins. He's in the tournament. Kevin Owens is not. Also, Baron Corbin and Dempsey are matched up in the first round, even though Baron Corbin just beat Dempsey in under two minutes. Still, he deserves like Dempsey deserves his title shot, right? Sasha Banks gets a title shot this week on this episode after beating Charlotte by cheating in a tag match. Then when Becky Lynch runs in and just fucking outright decks somebody to interfere with the match to ruin a title shot, she gets a title shot. Also, Bailey, who runs in and makes an unprovoked baby face on babyface assault on Charlotte, she gets a title shot. Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake win a match against the Vaudevillains, who at this point, they've really been sucking. They've lost to the champions twice. The Vaudevillains are nobody at this point. But Blake and Murphy beat them. They get a title shot and they get it without even consulting the GM. They're just like, hey, Lucha Dragons want to do it? And the Lucha Dragons are like, yeah, whatever. Like creative still has nothing for us. Sure, we'll fight you. They get a title shot. But Kevin Owens, no. For some reason, no. No. I was biting my tongue earlier when you were talking about like the logic of of, of William Regal handing these out. But to me, it is glaring that this episode starts with William Regal drawing a line in the sand like, no, he hasn't earned it. He can't have his title shot. And then he spends the rest of the episode just like affirming or just outright not caring about who the fuck fights whom for these championships. So that is what I heard. I am less fun than Megan Bob. Megan Bob, what did your human heart feel?
0: William Regal being pissed at Sami Zayn because it's always hot. It's super hot. He was not mad enough, but it's pretty mad. And that was good. And I liked it. Chris, what did your human heart feel?
1: Because I am a Mark, I felt Tyler Breeze shouting, You don't get to win. And this is about me at Hideo Itami. As will become clear to listeners as we continue through this leg of next wrestling fan I am a real real mark for Tyler Breeze and I think he's doing gravely underappreciated work at this stage of NXT he's expressing character here there are layers you know it starts with like don't hit me in the face I'm a pretty model but then it moves on to you don't get to be the center of attention this is not your story this is about me like you can see the frustration of this character of like here comes the new guy And I refuse to let you be the star here. I am the star. And the courage to do that in defeat really, I think, shows like, dare I say, vision in the portrayal of this heel character. So Mm. I agree. I'm just a huge Tyler Breeze fan.
0: He's really good.
1: If you're watching this NXT for the first time, watch Tyler Breeze and watch what he's doing here because he's never going to get a chance to do this on the main roster. No. Tyler Breeze is an exceptionally gifted wrestler and he's really telling a story here with his character. I think maybe there's no greater, maybe there's no greater evidence that we ever see of how much of a difference it makes to be on NXT versus on the main roster than Tyler Breeze. Before I start crying about Tyler Breeze, we're almost done with this episode of NXT. But before we move on, it's time to award our Lawrence Bolivier Award for Commitment to the Bit.
0: I mean, Sami Zayn. (laughs) Sami Zayn was great. It was very gay. And he was so impassioned And the way... He made interesting acting choices. And I had to write it out. I tried to write it out the way that he spoke it. But even then, I was really not able to convey the choices that he made. And Sami Zayn is maybe the only one with the capacity to make acting choices at the sentence level, which is very fucking impressive.
1: Yes, you're never going to be wrong giving this to Sami Zayn because he is 100 percent committed all the time and thinks through things on a level different from everyone else. I will say the verbal level is not the only one. And so for this week, I am giving my Lawrence Bolivier Award to Becky and Sasha for Mm -hmm. pulling each other's arms down during the like borderline joint heel celebration after William Regal gives them both a title shot. Mm hmm that is like the perfect physical encapsulation of who these two are like they're friends they're teammates but becky throws the horns up like yeah i'm punk rock and and sasha like pulls her arm down like no no not you me and you know tries to do her own like her own gimmick to me that was like perfect physical expression of who these characters are and what their relationship is so only because we can't give it both to sammy every week
0: no i almost gave it to sasha for shrieking
1: <laughs> that's because true that was really good
0: whenever regal was doing this slow like yes you're gonna have a title defense against bailey and sasha's like ah, what
1: <laughs> and then
0: just kept shrieking until daddy finally said and you too princess
1: Yeah, that was truly beautiful that she sold someone else getting a title shot and not her like being stabbed in the stomach. It was very good. All right. So that is one more episode of NXT and one more step in Sami Zayn's journey toward the main roster behind us. Now it's time to see if Megan Bob can predict the next big thing.
0: Probably not.
1: All right, Bob, this episode, Sami Zayn beat down Ty Dillinger before the bell in a rage-filled effort to get a match with Kevin Owens. So that option is now off the table. Your four options for this episode, bearing in mind that if you guess wrong this time, I get a bonus episode. Those options are A, a championship match is so one-sided that it ends and the championship changes hands on a referee stoppage. B, Baron Corbin gets pinned, but don't worry, there's interference, so he's still a big bad lone wolf. C, an indie star makes their debut by beating the shit out of CJ Parker. Or D, rival wrestlers sign a contract for a takeover match. There is no violence, no one breaks any tables, and definitely no one crashes the segment to interject themselves into the situation which one happens next week
0: no they could do that to take Dempsey and Corbin both out of the tournament because I mean obviously Dempsey's not gonna continue like if he wins he would not advance beyond that but everybody still likes Baron Corbin a lot so they Probably would want him on the card. I mean, depends on how much they give a fuck about doing something with their guy that three people scream for. (laughs) Hmm. I mean, I guess that because I definitely don't think that Sammy's pretty volatile right now. I don't know how he would keep it together.
1: Your guess is B. Baron Corbin gets pinned. But don't worry, there's interference. He's still a big, bad lone wolf. Yeah. All right. We'll find out next time whether or not you're right. For now, thank you again, Bob, for joining me in this journey through NXT. Bob, do you want to tell our listeners where they can go for more about this episode and what's going on with the podcast and recommended viewing and all that stuff?
0: If you go over to patreon.com slash next wrestling fan, you can find out all sorts of things about wrestling that Chris and I have watched and talked about, that relates to the kind of wrestling that you've seen in NXT and things that you might find interesting. That's also where you find out what's happening with the NXT Wrestling Federation. That's also where you're going to find out about Jim Ross saying my ass. So (laughs) all the important things that you need to live a well-rounded life.
1: If you've not heard my ass, parentheses, featuring Jim Ross... It's very special. Yeah, you're missing out because you haven't been over to the Patreon. So go over to the Patreon and do something with your life. Jim Ross's ass.
0: And that's free to everybody. Yeah. Jim Ross's ass is free to everybody. Yeah.
1: I heard that 30 men entered my ass per Jim Ross.
0: Okay, we, no, we can't. We can't just do bits from the song. Okay, we're ending the show. All right, yeah. Hey,
1: this is future Chris. And this is a note to let you know not to go to our Patreon this weekend looking for an In Your Pod episode. There won't be one. Don't worry, In Your Pod will be coming back next time we release a regular episode. uh, Look, we know how lonely your pod gets. But this week, no In Your Pod. However, that is for a reason. You should go to our Patreon this weekend if you are a patron to check out two things that are dropping in lieu of an In Your Pod episode. Number one, Bob is joined by Hub, the host of Tighten Up the Defense, and Marissa, a podcast civilian caught in the crossfire of war, to review slash discuss slash get very high about Jetsons and WWE Robo WrestleMania. This is another of those crossover WWE Hanna-Barbera films, just like the Flintstones ones that have been covered on this feed before. It's a great time. I would know. I'm the one who edited it. It used to be a much longer great time. Now it is a much shorter great time. Speaking of which, out now or out very soon, there is going to be a, a separate release of no fucking around 40 plus minutes of outtakes because this recording session was a rare instance of the people consuming Hanna-Barbera WWE co-production being as high as the creators who thought it was a good idea. That's all to say, we'll see you next time for In Your Pod, but this weekend, you'll just have to content yourself with almost three hours of bonus content.
2: The NXT Wrestling Fan is produced by Lucas Brown, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for his theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at Incombotech.filmmusic.io. We're on Twitter and Facebook at The NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Chris on Twitter at Megadumbcast and Megan Bob at Megan The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash nxtwrestlingfan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: This is yeah, Man, sorry. this is the worst fucking token. This token is shit. <laughs> I would rather take one of those fucking finger traps over this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, it took me a minute to realize what you were talking about. Finger trap means something different on hard choices. All right.
0: but then Sasha and Becky remember why they came together to kick the shit out of people so they Uh, kick Charlotte until (laughs) what
1: I think you mean came together you said came together which is different (laughs) (laughs) okay I read that a little differently than you do although I see your point but, but that's for later reading's probably boring. You're probably boring. Go ahead. <laughs>